Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. And welcome to another episode of On Culture. On Culture is the podcast of The Embassy. Uh, you can find that at theembassy.substack.com. My name is Mike Sherman, your host. I'm joined by Jacob Shuttle, who has been uh, with us before. How are you doing, Jacob? Doing good. How are you doing, Mike? Good. I'm well. Well, well, well. Uh, Jacob's voice, uh, as you may know, is the voice of the intro and the outro. So his voice will sound, uh, I'm sure, familiar to you. Um, and we were going to dive in and talk about um, the latest piece is, is entitled God Loveth Adverbs, which, by the way, have you had ever heard mm-hmm. of that? Yeah. Have you I, hadn't, that I hadn't. Um, hmm. but I hadn't. But I did also just look it up because I was like, wait. Did he just come up with this or no. is this oh, straight no. from yeah, King yeah. James? But <laughs> yeah, it's some uh, Puritan theologian, uh, Reformation yeah. 16 something, 10, something like that. Um, yeah, because you yeah, referenced talk him about work. in. What? What's that? You referenced him in the. You referenced him in the newsletter and like blog post. And yeah. I just remember <laughs> attempting to read it. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, no. "Oh, there's more than one word that is a oh, f yeah. or yeah. yeah, yeah." Turns out the the language was a little different uh, 400 years Quite. ago. Yeah, um, but let's get before we get there. Let's get to let's just start. Let's talk about work. Um, you know, not only that I've had a change of work in the last few years, lots of people did, uh, and. Um, but even, and and that's a sort of disorienting process, partly because I think how we view work, uh, and I'm going to say in America, there was probably other places that view it similarly. Um, but you know, I, I think we're very identified with work. So do you agree with that? And what do you think the implications of this potential over identification with work is? Yeah, I do agree with that. And I think you're right. Um, I think it's easier definitely for us to call it out from an American culture perspective. Uh, But I do think it is global, although other countries, uh, European countries, other Western countries, they do seem to also have um, some different thoughts on work and rest and uh, time away, that kind of stuff. But I think overall, I think um, the importance of work, uh, your title, uh, like what you're working for. Um, And I think the implication that we wind up actually uh, falling into is a trap of, yeah, working for the title and working for some form of success. And I, and I say some form because I don't know that it can be fully defined. Um, but maybe here within American culture, maybe the American dream, um, which almost maybe even feels antiquated 
a little bit at sure. this point. And I don't know, maybe that's a whole other conversation. Um, cause I don't necessarily hear, uh, you know, the next generation or anything really talking about the American dream or, you know, but I remember, right. You had, you know, the white picket fence and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And so like working for, um, you know, a job, which gives you the money and success so that you can live, you know, kind of this very vibrant and, um, at least outwardly looking perfect life, mm-hmm. um, is what I feel like the impl- ultimate implication could be. Yeah, I think so. That's interesting. So the American dream does definitely tie into work, uh, for Americans for sure. Um, I mean, typically, uh, you, yeah, you get a job that facilitates a certain standard of living. So that's a certain level of comfort and leisure, whether you actually enjoy the comfort or leisure is, you know, uh, another, another conversation, but then also a certain level with it, a certain level of status. Um, you know, you're sort of stratified by neighborhood and all this stuff relates to the kind of job you typically have. And then that then becomes a pretty key identifier central to your identity. I'm an engineer, I'm a nurse, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, uh, I'm a pastor, I'm whatever. Uh, and I'm this, and I live in this neighborhood. And if you take those two things, you could probably guess correctly, uh, a lot of things about people, uh, especially if they're sort of of a certain age in which, uh, I mean, I never actually thought about the American dream, but I'm of the age where it was sort of, uh, assumed it was sort of background that, you know, you do this in order to do this in order to facilitate that, uh, Mm -hmm. and so on. Now you said, um, not sure if that's really true anymore among younger people. Say more about that. Like, what do you think? What are you hearing you're on the you're on the cusp of you're in between me and Gen Z somewhere. Yeah, um, you know you're probably a millennial, right? Uh, yeah, technically classified as that. Technically millennial, so yeah. Gen um, Y, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So right there's there's boomers, there's Gen X, there's Gen Y, which is millennial, Gen Z, which is the one after that, right? So yeah. what are you hearing? What are you experiencing about? that's not the way people are thinking anymore. Yeah. I, um, I just, from the conversations and relationships that I have with people who are younger than me. Um, and also just, I feel like in general and culture, like even with my own generation as you know, being a millennial, um, and having parents that are, kind of on that cusp of boomer and X, like um, it's, I don't hear really much talk about the American dream or if it is, it's almost like, well, it's been lost. Right. And so there's like, just no focus on it. Like it's almost like this unobtainable thing. Like it's it's been defined, I think. Yeah. So it's both not a priority and or beyond yeah. hope of ever attaining anyway. So we're on to other things. Yeah. I think it for the longest time, or at least how I initially understood it growing up, 
and I could have understood it incorrectly, but it was almost like, Hey, if you're middle class, like you can have the American dream mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think as I've personally grown and <laughs> realized what middle class is actually kind of defined as, I'm just like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. That's actually maybe not the right terminology <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to be middle class. Cause most people in don't America. have that much money. I mean, right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so it's all, I think it's sort of confused. And, uh, you know, I did use the uh, the example of Nikola Jokovic, uh, sometimes called the Joker, uh, NBA player, just yeah. one two-time most valuable player, just won the uh, NBA championship um, this uh, earlier this month, was the NBA Finals MVP. And so he had a very sort of un- noteworthy, unusual, perhaps un-American, and he's he's not American, he's European, uh, sort of response to it. Um, and it's probably unique. This, this isn't necessarily a typical European response. I'm just saying it's not, it, it's not this sort of striving upward, and I've lived my whole life for this level of whatever. You know, he says, okay, the, you know, what are you, what are you feeling now after, you know, the job is done, we can go home now. You know, he just wants to go yeah. home. He's got a horse, you know, he's got family there, you know, he, you know, he just wants to go home. And then, you know, in the post game, you know, he's talking about, he's kind of explaining that. And he's basically assumption is, you know, his job is what you, something you got. people say they like their job. Maybe, maybe he says, nobody likes their job. Well, maybe some do, but they're lying. You know, it's like this sense of that's just, yeah. we all know that the job is not life. Life is life. And the job is something that you do which is yeah. um, just a different, different view of work. And, you know, I'm not saying that's better or worse. It's just completely different. What did you think yeah, of the and, Joker's response? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, and um, obviously not stereotypical. Uh, like it, it was not the um, expected response because i think the expected response after watching you know plenty of i feel like championships throughout my life right it's like yeah we did it and you know we're gonna you know take you know the off season but we're gonna go after it next year kind of thing right like there's this expectation of right go forward what's next it's not i we did it and now we can go home which you know i think he's going to prepare for next season. Like there is that, sure, but like sure. for yeah, him absolutely. to have almost that, yeah. that finite end uh, to what this was for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, he's it was not, a level I mean, of honesty. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, he's not a slacker, so it's not like, yeah, there's lots of people who don't care about their job that we know, but he's like, you know, he's, he's like one of the best, if not the best player, obviously works very hard, but he doesn't, it's not like who he is, you know, who he is, is back home with his horse and his family. And he kind of has that perspective. Um, and I do think the pandemic, uh, was a big shakeup for, um, a lot of Americans who perhaps over identified with their job. And all of a sudden the pandemic comes, which has a lot of swirling currents of maybe I'll die, you know, 
you know, I'm, I'm isolated. I'm working from home. I'm whatever. Maybe I'm over identified with this job. Maybe this job is whatever, whatever. And then there's this mm-hmm. phenomenon that was coined the great resignation where lots of people quit their job during the, yeah. during the pandemic. Now, you know, that was somewhat facilitated by the fact that um, lots of money was available uh, from the government to sort of tide people over because lots of people lost their jobs because for companies that closed or whatever. Um, right. But there was a lot of just not of that. It was the I'm reevaluating my life and my relationship to work and I don't feel appreciated and I don't feel like whatever. And so a lot of resignation and then, um, you know, move. They, they take another job somewhere else. And, you know, lots of recent research has has found a newer trend called the great regret where most of those people now think, you know, changing jobs was a mistake. My old job was, is not better than this one. And that wasn't really the solution to the problem I was, I was looking for. Um, and so like a little confused about like where to go from here, uh, what should work be sort of an unrealistic, again, an over, it's an, it's a over identification with work, meaning I, I need something you know, different or something where I'm more valued or something where whatever the case may be. Uh, and a lot of people didn't get it. Um, so do you know, I mean, is that, does that resonate with you? Do you, you know, people, other people who change jobs and what are their thoughts? Um, Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, I know some people who change jobs. I don't necessarily like it was during the pandemic. I don't, the people that felt like changed jobs, especially in 2020, it wasn't like the pandemic was maybe necessarily the reason for the people that, that I know. Um, but I think it's definitely one of those things where, um, the emphasis of identity Mm -hmm. in, in work and like when you place your identity in something um this is yeah it's another topic as well um but if you place your identity and like you're you define who you are through uh your work what you do um your gender your uh, sexual orientation, whatever, yeah, whatever it is, or right. whatever, right? Um, I think so much. Like, yes, all of that is true. Like, all of that is a part of you, but that's it. It's a part of you. That mm-hmm. your work on its own is not who you are. It is not your core identity. You are right. more. Yeah. You're more than work, um, and you're more than a lot of things. And I think it's very easy to give, give ourselves. And I think we all fall into it at some point in various different ways in work, outside of work, but we find something that we can really attach to and it, it makes us feel good. And we're just looking for, for Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that, it doesn't mean work's not important. Work's very important. Lots of things are, you know, your sexuality is important. Your relationships are important. 
uh, even yeah. politics are important, but they're all secondary if at best things. Um, you know, we believe we're in this story, uh, in this big God story that we're image bearers, uh, that we have a part to play in this story. And that's ultimately who we are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all those other things fit into that identity. Uh, and without, you know, without, um, C.S. Lewis wrote a, an essay on like second things and first things. Like if we take these second things and try to make them into first things, well, yeah. it doesn't work. They can't be first things. They can't fulfill that purpose. And in a sense, you sort of, if you try to make, let's say, work everything, you kind of lose the value that work is supposed to have. Right. Uh, and, you know, you sort of a lose-lose proposition. And so let me let me start a, let me make the turn here and just talk about, you know, what we in Christian circles call vocation or calling mm -hmm. uh, or purpose is probably just a, a more ordinary word. Um and, you know, what does that mean? And then how does work play into that uh, for whatever we do? Um, I, I, I think that um, I, there's a, an excellent book called Engaging God's World, um, which I think was sort of an introductory text at Covenant of some sort, um, Cornelius Plantinga. And he talks about a Christian and her calling in, in this sort of general sense. And one of the things he says there, and I quoted in the piece is in her best moods, she longs not just for happiness, but for joy, not just for joy, but for God, not just for God, but also for the kingdom of God. She doesn't merely endorse justice in the world. She hungers and works for it. She doesn't merely reject cruelty. She hates and fights it. She wants God to make things right in the world. And she wants to enroll in God's project as if it were her own. She strives first for the kingdom in order to act on her passion. In short, she is a person with a calling. And so this call, this idea is called, obviously it supersedes work. It supersedes, it's, you know, work falls into a parenthood, friendship, you know, a marriage, uh, you know, everything else sort of falls under this rubric of seeking first the kingdom. What does that look like? And if that's true, then how does my work how do I seek the kingdom at work? And let's yeah. say I'm not a pastor. I'm not a whatever. Uh, you know, let's say I'm, you know, I deliver the mail or I serve in a restaurant or I sell, you know, uh, I sell siding or whatever. What does that mean to, mm -hmm. to work for the kingdom? And I think that's the question that's central to, you know, what does it mean when, if I pray, can, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. Mm -hmm. And then I just go to work and, that's totally separate from his kingdom coming and his will being done, then that's sort of off and wrong and my work's never going to be, be right. Uh, so how do you think about work in the kingdom yeah. of God general? Like you work with people, part of, you have a, so you work at Calvary, missions pastor, but you also have a part-time gig where you work for the blues. You work with other people who have different things, jobs going yeah. on. Mm -hmm. How does that, how does all that go together? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I think a lot of it for me is um, I do view like I, I work, um, obviously, 
and then to view calling, I guess I view my work as something that's been given to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't, I haven't heard a voice, um, which growing up when I heard, you know, calling and like this, yeah. Like, yeah vocational some, ministry or like you'd yeah, some audible, God would voice. speak to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. but rather, um, as an image bearer, what has been given to me that God has uniquely designed me has uniquely designed you and any person who listens to this, whatever God has given you, what are you doing with it? And, um, yeah, it's one of those things that, um, I just empathy, I guess, empathize. I want to see people who, for who they are. Um, and be okay with it and mm-hmm. engage with them where they are. I think so much actually of work, whether, you know, you're blue collar or white collar is, um, I, I think there's, yeah, the, the nuts and the bolts and the day to day of the stuff that has to get done. Um, and that's true, but I think so much of also what work and calling is, is relationships and it's relational. Um, and I say that because, and it could simply be me. Um, but if I have had a plumbing problem in the past at my house and I call a plumber, my favorite plumbers that come out to my house and then I request again are the ones that are, they're doing their job, but they're also very relational um, mm-hmm. and, uh, my favorite was, I actually had a plumber, you know, true story come out and he was like, no, I'm going to teach you how to do this mm-hmm. so that you can do this next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, you know, I want to teach you so that, you know, when you have something bigger come up again, you call me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that like, there was such intentionality behind all of that. It was for his work, but he was very intentional actually with the relationship and like care with me. Um, And likewise, I've been having to go to a doctor recently, a specialist because of um, an infection that I've been dealing with. And I literally feel like I've struck gold with this doctor because I feel so seen and is not rushing me out of the room. Um, and she, you know, she's got other patients and every, but sits there, explains mm-hmm. things thoroughly, asks if I have questions, if I have questions, she answers them. Like I, and I've had to like compliment all of these people in my life and mm-hmm. like, it's their job and their responsibility. Like, this is my job, whether it was the plumber or the doctor, they're like, well, this is my job. And I was like, oh, wow. When, when we see people, mm-hmm. And we truly see them and we make that eye contact with whatever we're doing, with whatever our work is. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah. You feel different as a person and then the recipient feels different. Yeah, I think that's what that gets at the the title phrase, God loveth adverbs, you know, that basically I'll translate, uh, except for the last line, you know, that Joseph Hall, he's like, if you compare you know, different 
kinds of work, washing of dishes to the preaching of the word of God, there's a difference. But as to pleasing God, there's no difference at all. That, you know, basically that's where um, God loveth adverbs, that cares not how good, but how well. Yeah. And so, yes, it's not just fixing the plumbing leak or providing medical care. It's the manner by which you're doing it. And you can reflect the image of God or not. Uh, and you can be good at your job and function as a, you know, I'm, I'm fixing the plumbing thing and I never say a word to you um, or not. And so I think there's, there's this, yeah, God loveth adverbs means how am I at work more than what am I doing at work? Mm -hmm. Now that involves the work I'm doing as well. I have to do it well. I have to be conscientious and uh, respectful and all of these other things. But that sort of translates over into that second, that second part of, you know, in the piece I talk about loving your neighbor at work and yeah. uh, that if, it, you know, what does it mean to love my neighbor? And, you know, there's that, you know, the, the teacher of the law asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Because he, he wants to limit it. He wants to sort of narrow yeah. the field down, which is obviously to people who are easier to love. But if my neighbor is everyone, uh, which is the point of the Good Samaritan, uh, which was the parable that Jesus used to answer his question, basically, but not just at anyone, but even the last people that I would choose, if that's my neighbor, then that's certainly per people that are, in, you know, involved in my work situation. Yeah. Uh, and Gene uh, uh, Edward Veith has a book called God at Work. And, you know, I quote that where he says, in the workplace, the neighbors, maybe the customers, who are to be loved and served. The boss is to love and serve the employees, the neighbors or his neighbors who are under his authority. They in turn are to love and serve him. Teachers love and serve their students. Artists love and serve their audience and so on. God is hidden in vocation. It is also true that God is hidden in our neighbor. So yeah. this, you know, we're living out our part of the story in, in the, the kingdom at work. And that means, that means loving my neighbor while I'm at work. It means bearing the image uh, while I'm at work with customers, with coworkers, with bosses, yeah. with so on and so on and so on. And that just does not, that sounds when you say it, when you read it, it sounds obvious, yeah. but it's pretty, pretty not obvious. I think in most people's everyday experience, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. And just like, Obviously, like as Christians, our call should be to do this all the time, right? Like our call is to love our neighbor. So when we go to work, we should love them. But one of my favorite things, like I, it's when I'm on the receiving end of it, mm -hmm, right? Like right. Of, yeah. of, of a person who, who is doing this, like maybe for me, like, I don't know what they believe if they are Christians or whatnot, but I love right. actually being on the receiving end of something and going, wow, I see Christ in you as an yeah, image right. bearer, as They're, a uniquely created. Well, mm -hmm. right. And I'm just always so amazed in those moments, um, to be able to like, yeah, I love being able to like call or like um, 
not like speaking into existence, God <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or the mm-hmm. spirit, yeah. but like calling God out of people. And like, like, do yeah. you notice this? Like, yeah. this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what, you know, one of the things that, uh, again, to sort of, it sounds obvious, but it's not obvious to our, our experience, uh, is, you know, one of the sort of, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm consultant coach, uh, leaders now. And, uh, you know, one of the things that this kind of a leadership adage is that everything, everything speaks, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just the official pronouncements. It's not just the policy decision, everything. People are always, we can't stop interpreting everything, everything. They're making judgments about you as a leader all the time. Uh, and so they're making, people are making judgments about me as an inhabitant in this big God story all the time. Uh, right. and so, you know, the, so, the, you know, like when I leave a tip, uh, or when I open the door for someone or when I am, mm-hmm. cons- I mean, everything teaches, yeah, uh, yep. and it's not simply some religious activity that counts. It's everything that counts and living out this as story as an image bearer and as God's presence in his, you know, the kingdom comes in that way, the kingdom yeah. They see the kingdom of God in me as I bear out through the power of God and God's transformed, you know, the Holy Spirit in my life, that that's how they see the kingdom. And we yeah. can see the image of God in people who don't even, uh, you know, don't necessarily believe they bear the image, but we know they do. Uh, and I think with that mindset that yeah. that's that, you know, that God loveth adverbs, that it's the how am I living at work. Yeah. And then that transforms what work is. It's still, yeah. you know, you still make a living, you still buy a home, you still live in a neighborhood. Uh, but that's not the most important thing. And uh, and without the most important thing, everything else, nothing, it doesn't satisfy. Achieving the American dream doesn't satisfy, right? Right, yeah. You'd just be on to the next thing. It, it's, um, sorry, I, I'm not an NBA uh, follower, right. Uh, so pronouncing his name is Jokic, uh, but Nikola the Joker, Jok- the Joker Jokic? is his, okay. the Joker is Joker, his right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going back to that. Like what he said was non-typical. They achieved the championship and typically yeah. it's, we're going for it again, you know, right. uh, on to next season. And he was like, no, I'm done. Like, so yeah. How often do you achieve the American dream? Do you achieve the thing that you think is going to right. solve whatever it is and you go, um, oh, I'm done. Or it's like, yeah. Oh, that didn't satisfy. That didn't fill this void that I th- yeah. gotta keep thought going. it would fill. Yeah. I've got to keep going. I need yeah, a bigger. It's, the sen- right. <laughs> it's the sense of either achieving this achievement, this championship, these awards are what it means to live life. Or yeah. in the case of, you know, Nikola Jokovic, that these things are are kind of what I do, part of who I am. They're important. But after they're yep. done, I'm going to go back home and live life. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the difference between those two things is, is, is immense. Um, so I'm going to probably, we'll put a pin in it there. We're at the end of our time. Uh, and I think it's, for me, it was, it's been a challenging uh, and fruitful, I think, reflection on how I should think of like not only work, but life and calling and, uh, and mission and purpose. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, by God's grace, 
I hope that for, for all of us. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening. Do you enjoy On Culture? You can support us and the content produced by subscribing to our newsletter, The Embassy, by visiting theembassy.substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.